Cooper Cup won Offensive Player of the Year. And I want to know, can Mac Jones elevate a wide receiver the same way that Matthew Stafford elevated Cooper Cup to become that Offensive Player of the Year? Now, I think if the Patriots can learn one thing from the L.A. Rams and from the Cincinnati Bengals is getting Mac Jones a number one receiver has to be their number one priority, hands down. Can't even be a question mark. And because of that, what type of wide receiver do the Patriots need? That's what we need to know. Aaron Rodgers also won that NFL MVP. Some people are wondering, should Tom Brady have been the MVP? We're going to talk about all that. What's going on, kids? My name is Ray. Welcome to the Dear Pats Nation podcast. I want to tell you right now, the Dear Pats Nation podcast is brought to you by our sponsors over at Ultra Game. Get decked out with fully licensed NFL gear. Head on over to Ultra Game. It's one of the largest suppliers of licensed NFL uh, merchandise. Don't get geared up with all that fake shit. You know what I'm talking about. Head on over to Ultra Game uh, and get decked out today. And don't forget that we are part of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network. Head on over to DeanBlundell.com and see what's heading over and see what's going on over at DeanBlundell.com. So Cooper Cup won Offensive Player of the Year. And I don't think that really surprises anybody. I know there were some people who thought maybe it should be Jonathan Taylor. But again, I think at the end of the day, you also got to see where a team finishes in a season. You got to see how that guy has his impact. The same with the MVP award, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But Cooper Cup had an unbelievable year. Unbelievable stats. And there is an argument that perhaps Cooper Cup should have been the most valuable player in the NFL this year. Probably because, well, team got all the way to the Super Bowl. We had an argument on my live stream tonight that perhaps LA doesn't even make it through the playoffs without Cooper Cup. I mean, if you think about that, Tampa Bay game after Tom Brady brought the team all the way back. It was Cooper Cup, right? Final play of the game. Matthew Stafford to Cup. Touchdown. Tom Brady finishes his career after one of the greatest comebacks of his career. Finishes it with a loss on a stupid play on an all-out blitz. I also think it's fair to say that Matthew Stafford brought Cooper Cup to another level. I think it's fair to say that Cooper Cup and Jared Goff and that combination was good. But I think it's also fair to say that it could have been a lot better. And that's not a Cooper Cup. That's completely on Jared Goff. So let's bring this back to the New England Patriots now. And maybe this is an unfair question at this point in time. But I think it's also a time to remind you that I'm a content creator and, well, it's all about the clicks, right? But I want to know, do we have faith 
Does Pat's Nation have faith that Mac Jones can elevate a receiver the way that Matthew Stafford elevated Cooper Cup or the way we saw Tom Brady elevate Julian Edelman? Because you damn well know that there's no way Julian Edelman turns into that funky little squirrel if it's not for Tom Brady. Is he going to elevate Jacoby Myers? Is he going to elevate Kendrick Bourne? Do the Patriots take a receiver in, in the first round or in the draft that he can elevate? See, and I asked this question because if we go back to the live stream on Tuesday when we had Lawrence Owen on, I put a question on the table. I, I even asked Mario on Wednesday from Hashtag Sports as well. I put a question on the table and I said, hey, would you trade Mac Jones to the Arizona Cardinals for Kyler Murray if you were Bill Belichick? And I got two very different answers from the two podcast guests or the two live stream guests. Mario came out and said, absolutely not. Mac Jones fits the Patriots system. Kyler Murray, he'd sell a lot of jerseys. He'd do some things, but he wouldn't fit the Patriots system. Now, if we take what producer Mike has been saying about Josh McDaniels, maybe, maybe Kyler Murray would be good with a new offensive coordinator. Maybe it was Josh McDaniels who didn't know how to use a Kyler Murray, the way he didn't know how to use a Cam Newton. But Mario said no. He said because the Patriots offense is set up for the Patriots defense, it's, it's all a part of the same system. It's not the Buffalo Bills high-octane score in four plays type of offense. It's a control the clock, move the ball down the field, control possession, set it up for the defense to win you the game. That's where Mac Jones fits in beautifully. Lawrence, on the other hand, was like, yeah, I'd make that trade. Kyler Murray's a better quarterback than Mac Jones. I mean, we got into some discussions this week too, right? We talked about how maybe Bill Belichick's way of building a team is a little archaic. Maybe it's not what it used to be. Maybe it's not conducive to the modern-day NFL. Right? You need a Josh Allen. You need a Patrick Mahomes a Kyler Murray, a Lamar Jackson, a, a quarterback of that nature. But then all that all being said, you've also got Joe Burrow, who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Last time I checked, you couldn't compare Joe Burrow to Josh Allen. Now there's some ridiculous comparisons out there saying that Joe Burrow's going to be the next Tom Brady, yada, yada, yada. There ain't never going to be another Tom Brady. We know that. I don't even know why that's still a discussion amongst people. However, here's how I look at things. Kyler Murray is one of the young, best young talents in the NFL. 
one thing that Bill Belichick knows how to do, one thing that Bill Belichick has been very talented at, one thing that Bill Belichick is very good at, identifying offensive line. Identifying quarterback protections. Because the problem in Arizona wasn't Kyler Murray. The problem in Arizona was the offensive line. Do I believe that Kyler Murray could elevate a wide receiver? I don't know. Because as Michael pointed out to you, once DeAndre Hopkins was kind of out of the mix, it kind of changed things drastically. Drastically. So maybe it's better staying with Mac Jones. I think the problem is, if you're a Patriots fan, the concern is we don't know what Mac Jones is going to be. We're not going to know for three years. takes a while for a quarterback to develop it takes a while for a quarterback to be able to show his full talent set but I do believe that we have seen who Mac Jones is going to be we're not going to see some suddenly some new skill set added to the mix not a fucking chance Mac Jones is who the fuck he is. And I'm just going to put that on the table right now. We might want him to be something else. We may want him to be the next goat. That ain't going to be it. He's going to get a little smarter. His arm's going to get a little stronger. He's going to get the ball out a little bit quicker. But I think we got a pretty good indication of who Mac Jones is. I don't think he can elevate a receiver the way maybe a Kyler Murray, a Josh Allen could turn out to do. But I'll tell you one thing that I did learn. And if I can see this, I'm sure as hell Bill Belichick sees it. The New England Patriots need a number one wide receiver. Last year, the Patriots built their offense on an old-school offense. Tight ends and running backs. That was the excitement of the offseason, right? Wow, they're going to run the ball down teams' throats. Then they're going to throw the ball to the tight ends. Spent big money on Hunter Henry, big money on Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith wasn't even involved in the fucking game plan, so I don't know what happened there. Hunter Henry, he was okay. He was good. But come on, guys, he didn't, he wasn't what I think a lot of Pager fans thought he was going to be. So when it wasn't working, when Jonu Smith wasn't getting involved in the game, he got Jacoby Myers involved a little bit. Kendrick Bourne had his moments. And I like Kendrick Bourne. 
I think Kendrick Bourne can be a great number two receiver for the Patriots. But this is where Mac Jones is not Tom Brady. Mac Jones can't play without a true number one. Mac Jones needs his Jamar Chase, his Tyreek Hill. He needs somebody who can chuck the ball up to, and they're probably going to catch it. You look at L.A., Cooper Cup. You look at Cincinnati, Jamar Chase. You don't think that those two teams are helped by them? Now, the Patriots aren't picking in the top five, the top ten. I mean, they're a playoff team this year. So are they going to do this via free agency? Are they going to do this via the trade market? I don't know. But I think the question is, is what type of receiver will make the biggest impact on the New England Patriots? And the answer to that is, is any guy who can take the attention off all the other receivers. See, there's Patriot fans out there that want to see Bill Belichick move on from Nelson Aguilar. I don't necessarily agree with them. I don't think that Nelson Aguilar was a problem this year. I think everything else around Nelson Aguilar was a problem. Aguilar being the Patriots' number one, being their number one X receiver, and their number two X receiver being Nikhil Harry was the problem. You put a guy like Allen Robinson, you put a guy like Chris Godwin, and I don't think the Patriots can afford them. I don't think they're going to be Patriots. But you put a guy like that on the other side, two guys that can stretch the field with Kendrick Bourne or Jacoby Myers coming out of the slot with one of those tight ends going out, then that's when defenses can't cover everybody. That's when you're going to see people coming up. I don't want to see another Nikhil Harry. I keep hearing Patriot fans talking about, oh, we got to get somebody who can win a 50-50 ball. We need a big, strong receiver. When Nikhil Harry was supposed to be, screw that. Honest to God, fuck that. I don't want a 50-50 receiver for the Patriots. I want New England to go out there and get someone who's going to stretch a defense. I want them to go out there to get somebody who they're going to, the defenders are going to have to turn around and go like, damn, we got to double cover them, or we got to put our best corner on him. Because then that's going to open up the Nelson Aguilars. That's going to open up the Jacoby Myers, the Hunter Henrys, the Johnu Smiths, the Kendrick Bournes, James White coming out of the backfield, or Brandon Bolden, whoever. I hope that God Belichick learned the lesson. And I've never been one. I know there's new people listening to me for the first time. I've never, ever, ever been the guy once to question Bill Belichick. The old slug in my old podcast was I was a Bill Belichick fanboy, and I still am a Bill Belichick fanboy. And I'm not here to say Bill Belichick can't draft and he doesn't know how to evaluate talent and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I'm not here to say that because it's not true. Has he had some misses? Some fucking big misses, especially the last few drafts, but hit it last year. Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, Ramondre Stevenson. If Ronnie Perkins works out and Cameron McGrone, I mean, then we're laughing. 
here's what I get it though. He's got to stop building this offense like it's the early 2000s. When Kendrick Bourne and Dion Branch were enough to win you a Super Bowl. Or LeGarrette Blunt, Julian Edelman, and Rob Gronkowski were enough to win you a Super Bowl. Tampa Bay won a Super Bowl last year. I'm not even going to say they were the best team in the league last year. They came alive at the end. That's a team that had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown all in the same team. And say what you want about Antonio Brown. A.B. may be a little nuts, maybe a little wired, maybe a little crazy. Still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Belichick has to address that. Belichick has to come out and Belichick has to get somebody like him to help Mac Jones. I don't think, and I love Mac, and I think he's going to be a great game-managing quarterback, and I, that's not an insult. People use game manager as an insult. It's not an insult to be a game manager. But come on, kids. A game manager is not going to put the team on his back when you really need him. Unless he has the help to do it. That's all I'm saying here. Enough of this tough ground and pound, strong receivers, receivers that need to know how to block bullshit, Bill. Look at the success you had with guys like, I don't know, Randy Moss. Look at Malcolm Mitchell when he came on in his one year with the Patriots before unfortunately suffering a career-ending knee injury. Don't bring in Brandon Lloyd when he's already washed up. Either evaluate a talent in the draft. And don't just take the guy because he's good at interviewing. Oh, my God. When A.J. Brown came out there last week and said that he cried when the Patriots didn't take him, I almost cried. When you watch Debo Samuel in the NFC Championship game, I almost cried. I talked about this this week. I put it on Newsbreak. I talked about it on my live streams. It was on the podcast. That draft is going to haunt me forever. Not because of the miss on Harry, but everybody else that was drafted. And I've heard that this wide receiving core is going to be just, or this wide receiver class is going to be just as strong. Fuck, Bill, do your homework. Get a guy who can stretch the field. Get a guy who can help Mac Jones get it done. Anyways, NFL honors last night. There was a lot of debate about the Most Valuable Player Award before. Well, there was debate after it was won, too, but leading into that. Now, for a long time this season, I was on the Jonathan Taylor train. I thought that he performed better than any running back I remembered seeing since Antonio, uh, or Antonio, since Adrian Peterson. I know that people want to talk about Derrick Henry, but when you look at it from a production standpoint, Taylor was way more productive than Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is just a workhorse. 
But then Taylor didn't look great against Raiders. He didn't look great against Jacksonville. Two crucial games. Colts didn't make the playoffs. As soon as that happened, I didn't believe that he deserved a vote. So then it really came down to Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, right? I know there were some people out there kind of like, hey, give me Cooper Cup, give me Cooper Cup, but it was Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. And then they started comparing the stats, right? Completion percentage, interceptions, yards. Tom Brady had, what, like 5,000 yards a season? I had declared my MVP Aaron Rodgers two weeks ago. I, I, I declared him. And his playoff performances, I want to remind everybody, people are always like, well, you can't pick a guy that lost another playoff game. No, the MVP has nothing to do with the postseason. The MVP award is voted on before any team steps on the field for the postseason. The most valuable player award has to be given to the guy who had the biggest impact on his team. And you could say, they make the same argument for both, that if you take Tom Brady off Tampa Bay, they're probably not going to be very good. And Tom Brady did very well considering the injuries. Chris Godwin out, Gronk missed a chunk of time this year, AB missed a chunk of time, came back, had his freak out, took his shirt off, acted like a fucking clown in the end zone. Had sex with a TikTok lick or a TikToker who licks toilets. I did that the night before the game, but you guys get my point. But you know what we saw this year? We saw Aaron Rodgers miss a game. We saw him get taken out of a game the last game of the season when everything was already wrapped up and they'd already won the NFC again, 13 wins. And we saw what the Green Bay Packers looked like with Jordan Love. And the moment I saw that, I just knew the impact that Aaron Rodgers had. And if you want to talk about weapons, true weapons, get Devontae Adams. Am I supposed to be impressed that they re-signed 55-year-old Randall Cobb? That everybody knew wasn't going to be a big factor to the offense, but they did it to make Aaron Rodgers happy? And yet they're a 13-win team. And don't tell me, oh, well, they got to play Chicago and they got to play Minnesota and they get to, in Detroit and they get easy teams. The Bucks got to play, what, the Falcons, the Saints? Like those are challenging teams to beat. But could you make the argument? that Tom Brady deserved the MVP over Aaron Rodgers. Probably. I could probably use the same exact argument I just used for Aaron Rodgers and put it on Tom Brady. Now, for some of the season, Brady had more weapons. But he was missing a chunk throughout, like, the whole season. He was just, there was chunks of time he was missing some of his guys. And I know people are like, well, look, he missed Gronk for so long when Gronk was out with his rib injury. But I'm like, who who the fuck is Rob Gronkowski today for real? 
He's not Gronk from three, four, five years ago. He wasn't. He wasn't the same Gronk his final year with the Patriots when they won the Super Bowl. He has his moments. I know the connection they have. I know he can still go up and win those 50-50 balls, but he's not thousand yard Gronk. Actually, probably look more like the Gronk we all knew, missing big chunks of time this year. That probably reminded me more like a Patriots Gronk than ever. So the people who are out there saying, hey, I think Tom Brady should have won the MVP, I can accept the argument. What I can't accept is the guys are saying like it was a robbery. I don't know how you could look at Aaron Rodgers' season and say it was a robbery because if Tom Brady would have won it, people would have been making the same argument for Rodgers and I would have to agree with them. The two OGs of the NFL played their fucking asses off this season and looked like the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm completely separating that Aaron Rodgers is a dick. We know that Aaron Rodgers is a dick. But unlike reporters in Chicago, I can differentiate his on-field performance was off-field performance and his off-field attitude and off-field shenanigans. Because I'm like, I just like, listen, listen, let me talk to y'all here. Let me come in really, really close. Let me come in really, really close. We're talking about the National Football League that has spawned and produced some of the worst human beings in the history of the world. I never judge a NFL player by their off-field persona or personality unless they're like Aaron Hernandez or Ray Rice, or, you know, insert name here. Sometimes you go a little bit too far, you know? Like murdering somebody. But the moment that somebody's career is dictated and decided on based on their off-field personality and attitude towards the media and whether they're pieces of shit or not, then we turn into baseball. And let me tell you right now, if the NFL and that fucking Associated Press turns into baseball, I don't know, I guess I got to start watching hockey. And uh, we can go do that hockey and we can talk about the guys skating around the ice and shooting the puck in the net and Luchakchek and Nanekdek and Manowick and whatever ick or off or och. You gotta judge the players by the way they performed on the field. Aaron Rodgers was MVP. Now, one thing I know that irritated Patriot fans, but they all understood was Jamar Chase winning the rookie or offensive rookie of the year. Mac Jones was in that conversation for a long, long time, especially when they went on that big winning streak, right? Especially when they got propelled into the playoffs, good offense, good defense. But Mac Jones didn't have, I mean, Mac Jones had a good year for a rookie, but he didn't have a consistent year as far as I'm concerned. Let's even, like, if you look at things, like, even the loss of the Saints at the beginning of the season didn't look great until the fourth quarter. 
And they had a lot of those moments this year where Mac Jones started off bad and then got good in the fourth quarter. And we heaped a ton of praise on him for being good in the fourth quarter. Almost like ignore. We just wanted to ignore that he was bad for three. And even during some of that win streak, like the game against Atlanta, Jones wasn't good. He was okay. He wasn't good. You know, when you look at the end of the season, looked bad against Indy for three quarters. Against Buffalo, the game they won against Buffalo, he made three passes. Legendary performance. He had 100% completion percentage going into the fourth quarter. Never been done before in the NFL. 100%. One for one. I don't give a shit if it was one for one. 100% completion percentage. Through three quarters. You know who can't say that? Patrick Mahomes. Eat it, Chiefs fans. Anyways, um, then that second game against Buffalo didn't look good for, you guessed it, three quarters. Then it looks great against the Jaguars, right? Looks great against Jacksonville. And it's really funny because I tweeted out during the Bills game when they were, they were uh, we knew they were going to lose. I was like, don't worry, we'll blow out Jacksonville last week and just pretend that we're good. That little bit of false hope, right? And then it looks terrible against Miami. And then, wow, the wild card game, that was a shit kicking. By the team that probably should be in the Super Bowl right now, but of course they found, you know, 13 seconds. <laughs> Holy fuck. And that's 13 seconds going to haunt Buffalo for fucking ever, man. So to me, there's no argument. Mac Jones didn't deserve rookie of the year. Does that make me a bad Patriots fan? Maybe. Possibly. Probably not. Maybe it makes me a realistic fan. Am I supposed to come on here and say, fucking Mac Jones was the best? No, he wasn't. I still like him, though. I really, really do. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback, but I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think he could one day, maybe, just maybe, win a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Am I delusional? Probably. Does it matter? Nope. But you know how it is. Congratulations, Jamar Chase. Fucking phenomenal season. Fucking phenomenal season. Absolutely just spot on. All right. That's about it. Any of you are wondering where producer Mike is? This was sort of a test run for me because we're going to be uh, recording the podcast in the next couple of weeks on an app, which I'll tell you about when we start recording the podcast on an app. I'm actually doing it on the app tonight, but I had to record it on my other recording system too. So I couldn't have Mike on because I can't have him on both the app and the other system at the same time. Maybe I could. It would have been difficult though.
game look it up ultra game nfl all the teams there it's not just patriots gear even though that's the nicest looking stuff go on the ultra game go on the catalog pick up some nice stuff it's not your traditional football garment you can wear this out and look nice and it's fully licensed it's got all the tags the stickers you want that shit ultra game go check it out go check out deanblendall.com uh, you can find some of my stuff there. I write for them. My uh, The podcast goes on there. I will be on the Dean Blundell Show on Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be going on as a guest to talk about, uh, again on Sunday, I don't know, maybe I'll talk about the Pro Bowl from last week. That'll probably excite the audience. So I'm going to talk about the fucking CFL. I'm happy. But all right, go to DeanBlundell.com. As you know, I'm a part of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network. The people on the app may not know. I am, though. DeanBlundell.com. There's like 100 content creators and podcasts and all that kind of stuff over there. Sports, politics, entertainment, it's all that shit. Uh, go to rayrayuth.com, R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H.com. That's where you can find all the new uh, podcast episodes, my blogs, uh, all my brand new videos uh, that aren't on my main YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we got our merch store over there. You can send me an email. You can even send me a, leave me a fucking voicemail. It's an amazing website, rayrayuth.com. It's brand new. Not really, but I'm going to say it's brand new. Uh, check out Newsbreak. Uh, you can find my content over there. Plus, all of your local news. And I'm just killing time. Kind of done. And uh, appreciate all the, the new people listening. And uh, try to remember that. Uh, Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. 
I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.